In a village not far from the town of Kovna, in old Russia, there lived a Jewish innkeeper. He held the inn as a concession from the Poritz, the nobleman, to whom the village and all surrounding lands and forests belonged. The income from the inn, after paying the annual rent to the Poritz, was barely enough to provide a livelihood for the innkeeper and his family. But their needs were modest, and they managed somehow. The innkeeper was a humble, God-fearing man who followed the teachers of our sages, particularly the one that said, Ezehu ashir sameach bechelko. The one who is rich is the one who is satisfied with what they have. Indeed, the innkeeper would have been quite happy except for the fact that his daughter Sara had already reached marriageable age, and the chances for her finding a worthy husband were scarce. They were living in a village amongst non-Jews, distant from a Jewish community, and with no dowry to attract a yeshiva bacher from afar. However, being the pious man that he was, the innkeeper put his trust in God. After all, it is written in the holy books that on the birth of a girl, an announcement is made in Shemayim. The daughter of so-and-so is destined to marry so-and-so. So the innkeeper and his wife waited patiently for the appearance of the man who was destined to be their son-in-law. In the meantime, Sarah helped her mother with the housekeeping and her father with waiting on the customers who came to the inn for a piece of tasty gefilte fish to be washed down by a glass of beer or vodka. Sarah was a very good-looking girl, and some of the customers made crude remarks to her, but she was true to her parents, a pious and modest girl. She ignored any rude remarks as she went about her duties. Day followed day, and week followed week. And then one day, there was an unexpected development. The young son of the Poritz happened to pass by the inn. He was returning from hunting and was hungry and thirsty, so he stopped at the inn for a drink. He was a dashing young man with an eye for pretty girls. The moment his eyes fell on the innkeeper's young daughter, he liked her immensely. He called on her to serve him one drink after another, and the more he drank, the more he liked her. When he was fairly intoxicated, he said to her, Will you marry me? Sara ignored his marriage proposal. But when he kept on telling her that he was serious, she told him politely but firmly to forget such foolishness, for she was Jewish and he was not and she would never marry out of her faith, even if it was for the crown prince himself. Nevertheless, before leaving, the young Poritz said he would return and insisted that he would definitely marry her. Poor Sora breathed a sigh of relief when the young squire left. She felt certain that when he sobered up, he would forget all about her and give her no more trouble. But... She was wrong. The young squire came home and told his father 
that he had fallen in love with the innkeeper's daughter and wished to marry her. The old nobleman could not believe that his son meant it seriously. He had already decided on a more suitable match for his son with the daughter of a rich, aristocratic family like his own. But now this young fool had gotten into his head such nonsense. To marry the daughter of an impoverished innkeeper? And a Jew at that? The father tried to reason with his son, and when this failed, he threatened to disinherit him. But neither threats nor promises could make the young squire change his mind. He declared adamantly that he would marry none but Sarah, the Jewish innkeeper's daughter, with or without his father's consent. He was the only son the squire had, and his father had pampered him all his life and let him have his own way. So once again, the old man gave in. He told his son that he would give his consent to the marriage, but on one condition. The girl had to be converted first to their religion. Jubilantly, the young squire mounted his horse and galloped back to the inn. He told Sarah the happy news that his father had given his consent to the marriage. There was, of course, that small item of converting to their faith, but he didn't care if she went through it as a mere formality. He promised her a wonderful future, full of excitement and luxury. Sarah became truly frightened. She realized that her unwanted suitor meant it in earnest. Once again, Sarah told the young squire quite resolutely that she could never marry him under any circumstances and that he had better forget all about it. Then she ran to her room and bolted the door. She decided not to tell her father about it in order not to alarm him unnecessarily, for she still hoped that the young squire would get her out of his crazy head. But she was wrong again. The young squire was not used to being refused. He was annoyed and disappointed that his proposal was turned down flatly. His pride was also deeply hurt. To think of it, a poor Jewish girl turning down the proposal of an elegant and handsome nobleman like himself, the sole heir to a tremendous fortune? The old squire, on learning of the girl's rejection of the proposal, shared his son's feelings. He, too, considered it an insult and an outrage. But once again, he tried to persuade his son to forget the Jewish girl. Seeing that his son was determined to marry her, even if she did not convert, the old nobleman had but one thing to do. He sat down at his desk and wrote a stern letter to the innkeeper. In it, he stated that his son and heir had graciously consented to marry Sarah, the innkeeper's daughter, thus bestowing an extraordinary honor and privilege upon her family. Now, therefore, the innkeeper was requested to set a date for the wedding, which would be celebrated with due pomp and ceremony in the tradition of the aristocracy. Of course, considering that the innkeeper was such a pauper, all expenses would be paid for by the parrots. If, however, the innkeeper refused to let his daughter marry the young nobleman, the concession of the inn would be immediately revoked, 
all rent owed would have to be paid at once, and the innkeeper and his family would be driven off of the Paritz's estates forever. The young squire was happy again. He said that he would take the letter personally to the innkeeper and confront him at once and unexpectedly, so that he would have no time to think of some trickery to thwart the whole plan. Taking a few young companions with him, they started out on horseback toward the village where the innkeeper lived. They raced at full speed until horses and riders were covered with sweat. Suddenly, down came a terrific rainstorm, and they were all soaked to the bone. They had only covered about half of the journey, and it was impossible for them to continue in that state. So they turned into the nearest inn to dry their clothes and stable their horses for a well-earned rest. At the inn, the boisterous group began a round of drinks, then a second one, and a third. The rain continued to come down in a torrent, and there was nothing else for them to do but to drink and make merry and spend the night at the inn. There followed a round of toasts to the young squire and his future bride. Drink, brother, they said to him, while you can. Today you are still a free bird, but once you marry that pretty Jewess, the innkeeper's daughter Sara, you will have to behave yourself. Never fear, the young squire replied. Do you think I'm such a fool? Once Sara is mine, she will eat out of my hand and polish my boots. Leave it to me. Then he rose to his unsteady feet, took out his father's letter, and read it to his friends. More toasts and laughter followed, until the company, one by one, fell into a drunken stupor. All this time there sat quietly in a corner, bent over a holy book, a middle-aged man of whom the company took no notice whatsoever. He was Rabbi Yosef, the malamit of the innkeeper's two boys. Being a widower with no family of his own, he earned his room and board at the inn by teaching the innkeeper's boys with plenty of time to study for himself between lessons, particularly in the evenings. His ears soon caught the boisterous conversation of the company and the mention of Sara, the daughter of the innkeeper of the next village. Pretending to be engrossed in his studies, Rabbi Yosef listened attentively to the conversation and particularly to the letter which the young squire had read. He realized what a calamity threatened the innkeeper and his daughter Sara. When the conversation died down and all of the young squires were fast asleep, he closed his safer and quietly went out to talk things over with his host. They decided to warn the innkeeper in the next village of the impending danger. Rabbi Yosef borrowed the innkeeper's horse and wagon and set out at once for the next village. The rain had not yet stopped, but there was no time to lose. It was late at night when Rabbi Yosef arrived and knocked at the innkeeper's door. Seeing before him the Malamid, drenched and weary from the journey, the innkeeper asked in alarm, What is wrong, Rabbi Yosef? What brings you here at this hour? Rabbi Yosef told the innkeeper all that he knew. Sara was called in, and she filled in the details. Oy vey, what do we do now? The innkeeper wailed. 
Rabbi Yosef, you're a wise man. Have you no advice? Yes, said Rabbi Yosef. Sarah should go immediately to the chuppah before the young squire and his friends arrive here in the morning. But with whom should she go to the chuppah? There's not one Jewish man of marriageable age in this village. Altogether, there are very few Jewish families. It's with difficulty that we even make a minion. Well, in that case, said the Malamed, Rabbi Yosef, there's no other way. What? What no other way? Rabbi Yosef, please. I mean, I mean, that is, the Malamed began with obvious embarrassment. Please understand, I would never dream of making such a proposal. I, I'm not a young man, and Sarah deserves somebody worthier than me, but under the circumstances, and as a temporary arrangement, of course, I am prepared to be the chassan. Once the danger is past, we will go to a rav and arrange for a proper get. The innkeeper was so taken aback and filled with gratitude to Rabbi Yosef, who must have realized the danger he was getting into, yet was ready to help them in their distress. Rabbi Yosef, do you realize what that young reckless parts might do to you for snatching his bride away? Well, we have Hashem to rely on, replied Rabbi Yosef. Let's hope all will be well. And Sarah, what about you? asked the innkeeper. What do you think? What can I say, Father? Rabbi Yosef is ready to risk his life for us. I do not know if I have a right to accept such a sacrifice, she replied with tears in her eyes. Well, in that case, it's all settled, said Rabbi Yosef. We have no time to lose. He sent out the innkeeper to wake up all the Jews in the village and get ready for a chuppah. Each housewife was to prepare something for the wedding feast, and the musicians were to be mobilized to provide the wedding music. In the morning, when the young squire and his companions arrived at the inn, they were amazed to find that they came right in the middle of a wedding feast. The tables in the inn were festively set with tablecloths and candles, the music was playing a wedding march, and a happy bridegroom and a radiant bride were just marching from the chuppah. Ah, oh, said the innkeeper, Welcome, special guests. How nice of you to come to my daughter's wedding. Come in, have a drink, and join us in good wishes to the bride and the bridegroom. The young squire was flabbergasted. He realized that he had come too late. Sarah was already married. He looked at the groom and thought Sarah must be out of her mind to marry a man old enough to be her father. As if in a dream, he raised his glass and mumbled some good wishes gulped down the drink, and he and his friends beat a hasty retreat. Lucky you, his friends told him. You should say good riddance. How could you want to marry a Jew? She's very pretty, but fancy wishing to marry a Jew. As a matter of fact, we didn't want to tell you, but it would have been a disgrace for you and all of your friends if you had married a Jew. Well, this calls for a real celebration. Let's go back to that other inn. The drinks were good and strong there, and the refreshments were delicious. After the unwelcome guests departed, everybody breathed a sigh of relief. The musicians struck up an especially lively tune, and everybody was happy and grateful at the turn of events. Presently, Rabbi Yosef stood up and motioned for silence. My dear friends, he said, 
We must be truly grateful to the one above for this wonderful salvation. And now, as you know, we celebrated this wedding in order to save the good Sara from a calamity. Now that the danger has passed, I'm ready to go to the rub in town and arrange for a get, so that Sara will be free to marry the man of her choice. The innkeeper once again thanked Rabbi Yosef for his selflessness and also thanked all the guests for their wonderful cooperation. Then he turned to his daughter and said, Well, my daughter, you may remove your bridal veil, for we are going to town to see the rove. My dear father, replied Sarah, I am prepared to go to town with my husband, but not for the purpose of a get. In view of the fact that Hashem had brought us together and caused us to become man and wife, I am sure this marriage was made in heaven. Moreover, I am quite certain that I could not have chosen a more devoted and loyal partner in life who risked his life for me. And therefore, if my husband considers me worthy of him and is prepared to have me as a wife, I, for my part, am quite happy with the shidduch. Shouts of Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov rang out in the room. Now we can truly celebrate. The glasses were filled and everybody said L'chaim the bridegroom and the bride. And the happy ending had yet another happy sequel. The following year, Rabbi Yosef and his wife were blessed with a son, who grew up to be the great tzaddik and miracle worker, Reb Leib Saras, known in honor of his pious and saintly mother, Sarah. 